0: Folks, in our youth, when our careers were growing and expenses were high, we needed to get the most from our savings and the money we invested in the market. As we age, we need a safer strategy, one that can protect against market loss. We need to keep our hard-earned principles safe while allowing growth to provide us with reliable retirement income. Therefore, to learn about reliable retirement income, I highly recommend Arif Halliby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour, featuring Arif Halaby, president of Total Financial Solutions, designing higher income strategies with a conservative approach, protecting your principal and your earnings while getting you reasonable gains and reliable income, making you confident of your retirement income planning. of Halaby has your answer. Hi, welcome to the show. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. On AM 870, The Answer, your place for news talk information, uh, ideas to help you uh, kind of manage your life, uh, all sorts of great shows here on AM 870, The Answer. Uh, our show, The Total Financial Hour, is coming to you, talking about your family's financial life. You know, why is it that every time you turn on the news, uh, they're talking about the market, the stock market, the financial life, social security, real estate. It seems like everybody seems to know what the secrets are to becoming wealthy or successful, or everybody has an answer. And they kind of assume that you know. It, it, it's like, you know, when you go to school and you, you missed a couple of days of class and you walk in, and if you remember those days, you walk in and, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about a whole new topic that, I don't know, you just kind of nod and pretend and and feel like you're you're, you're kind of involved. Well, Look, the total financial hour. We're going to be getting into some pretty, uh, very, very interesting things. We're going to talk about Social Security and what what some of the mistakes are, and really some of the big mess ups that they're doing, and why you're going to need to take care of yourself financially because Social Security uh, is such an in, uh, huge bureaucracy that is so um, what's the right word mismanaged, and I don't know if it's mismanaged because the people aren't uh, you know decent people. I don't know that answer. Uh, It's mismanaged probably because it's so large. No different than a large insurance company. Try to get things through that, right? That's why when when you heard conservatives talk about Obamacare, what? What do you mean having the insurance companies manage uh, our lives through the federal government's rules and regulations and forget that? Well, of course, now what do you see? No different than Social Security. Here's a great example. Social Security, recent information, has declared thousands of people dead who are actually still alive? Meaning, one day they wake up and they don't have a paycheck. First of the month comes, they say, "Where's my where's my social security check?" You call up and they say, "Well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith, uh, our report is that you died." You say, "Well, well, what do you mean?" They said, "Oh yeah, yeah, our report is that you passed away." And you go, "Well, well, no, I'm here. I'm, I'm good. I'm feeling pretty. I got an ache right here in my shoulder or my knee, but but other than that, I'm alive. Talking to you here, buddy." Oh, no problem. This recent report is very interesting. Lady says, she walks in and says, no problem. We'll update that. It'll just take a couple of days. You'll have a check. How long? Three months. Three months later before they, oh, well, I sent it off. Oh, my my supervisor. Oh, bureaucracy. Oh, I don't know. Really? Look, the the system is not designed for you to succeed. You understand that, right? The system is designed for you to simply exist. Yeah, you have to understand that. It's designed for you to exist. Here's what happens. Let me give you some background in Social Security. When you pass away at a hospital or a nursing home or or a a funeral home picks up the, the data They send it off the Social Security to to the the numbers to all of the organizations. Here's a good example: If you're a life insurance company, a retirement company, an annuity company, uh, any kind of third party that that manages somebody's financial life or any life, that report is sent out. And so I get a report every day if if that's uh, if we have somebody passing away, and it says uh, Mrs. Smith's information was passed on to us that she had passed away in the last couple of days. Please verify whether or not we have to pay a death claim or what it might be. Sometimes they know before we do, and the family usually reaches out to us fairly quickly. And so when that information is passed out, it's passed out to life insurance companies, uh, homeowners insurance companies, uh, to a variety of, of groups, even credit reporting agencies So now Mrs. Smith goes to buy a car and she doesn't know that she was just reported dead. Maybe she didn't turn on social security yet. Maybe she didn't need it. And now she goes to get a credit card or buy a car or refinance her house. And they say, I'm sorry, your social security number is coming back with a problem. So what do you mean? What do you mean a problem? I'm 68 years old. There's no problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We show that you've died. So it it isn't just your social security payment. You might say, I haven't turned on my social security yet. If social security is a big part of your retirement income, you need to watch your credit report more than ever. Look to see. Watch your social security income statements. Look to see. Is there income on there that is not yours? Right? People steal. Do you understand how how do illegal immigrants get a job working wherever they work? When the report is done, right, the employer has to do a, a report, an I nine. They send it off, comes back and says, "Yep, this is Joe Blow, Joe Mary Smith, whatever." When they send off that information and they receive it back, employers sometimes don't even look. They say, "Whatever social security number you put down, that's fine. We'll pay it." So you might be retired or or making a $60,000, $100,000 wage. And behind the scenes, somebody on the other side of the country or on the other side of the state is using your social security number and reporting additional income. Now, what if that person dies before you? They say, oh no, we've been collecting income for 15 years uh, from that particular social security number and that person passed away. And you say, no, 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 that wasn't me. I am still alive. Isn't it funny how, how you actually, I've I've actually had to do this before. I said, no, 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 it's me. I'm alive. They said, well, how do we know it's really you? So here's my driver's license. You know, what information? I can tell you where I grew up. What, what do you need? Oh, no, no, no. We have to double check that it's really you. I said, you want to come over? What, do you want to, you want to pinch me? I'll say, ouch, especially if you get a little hard. I'll show you that it's really me. It's not a secret. Watch out for social security's Uh, Right now, we have 6.5 million people. That's the estimate. 6.5 million who should be canceled, who actually really did die. And Social Security is still paying it. So, we have thousands of people who are expecting income. We have over 6 million people collecting Usually it's the child or the spouse. They're just collecting both social security numbers. They're not telling anybody that uh, Mary or Joe passed away. They're just going along to get along, collecting your money. What do you think that does to the social security coffers? Do the math. I mean, even if it's a $1,000 a month, how much goes out at six and a half million people per month? How many thousands, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year are paid out erroneously. I told you it was a big bureaucracy. I told you you're going to have to be careful. Don't expect it to do anything except kind of supplement or be there kind of, sort of, maybe, kind of as part of or maybe so part of your income. That's nice, but don't expect anything too dramatic. It's just not going to happen. Social security is not about, really, efficiency. It just isn't. Good people, I'm sure, some of them at least that work there, but it's not an efficient system. You have to take care of yourself. You have to manage. Listen, you don't have to know every single, uh, uh, you, you know, investments details and retirement accounts details and the. Uh, look, that's not where it goes. What I'm saying is, you have to understand the purpose. Your money has a job to do. The twenty dollars in your purse or your pocket is for lunch. It is not for retirement. The money in your retirement account is not for lump sum withdrawals. Oh, give me sixty thousand dollars. I want to buy a new car. Well, you're going to have to pull out a hundred. Your retirement accounts drop by a hundred for you to buy a sixty thousand dollar car. Well, Eric, look, I don't make the rules. Vote Republican. I, I don't know, right? Vote conservative. Vote, vote where people are not taxing you. Get rid of the state, the state bureaucracy, and the state of California. Surprise, more taxes in the state of California. You're not going to be in a position to understand the purpose of your money if you think it's all the same. It isn't. The job of money in your checking and savings account, that's for emergencies. Maybe you have a savings account that says, this is my Christmas account. Okay, that's cool. That's a job. I got it. Grandchildren, children. Maybe your savings account is for your next vacation. Wonderful. That's what it's all about. I like it. I'll take it. Maybe, just maybe, you're in a position to have a retirement account whose job it is, and this is what it's supposed to be, by the way, because this is how it's taxed. Its job for your retirement account is systematic monthly income, just like Social Security or a pension, except guess who gets to control it? You do not the government, not some bureaucracy, not some government employee, wonderful people as they might be, but have no emotional connection to your money, <sighs> look, you got a question, give us a call. We're going to get into a lot of details today. 866-870-5752. That's 866-870-KRLA, or 870-KRLA, krla You can also go to uh, the website. It's amh.com am870theanswer.com, am870theanswer.com. You can track, follow us live. Of course, we're also uh, streaming live on Facebook. There's a lot of you that are watching today. Thank you for doing that. We also have a Facebook fan page, Total Financial Solutions. You can go to our Facebook fan page. Uh, Click, sign up. Every once in a while, some fun things are are put on there, I think once a week. More importantly, I love our newsletter. Our newsletter comes out about twice a month. We're not going to bombard you every week. We're going to send it out about twice a month. Some great information. Remember last week's show, I was talking about the Harvard Business Review uh, article and some of the things. That went out. That went out on our on our uh, radio show and on our newsletter. So you can get some great information. But what I want to do today is make sure that if you have a question about an inherited IRA, because often people will inherit your parents' retirement accounts, whether it's a 401k, it means it comes from your Your employer, 403B, that's a nonprofit, hospital, school district, research facility, that's called a 403B. The 401K is the for-profit entity. If you work for a city, state, county agency, yours is called 457 or deferred compensation. If you work for a Los Angeles County, it's called Horizons. In other words, sometimes people say, Arif, I don't have a 403B. I have a TSA, tax-sheltered annuity. Same thing. Same thing. if I don't have a 457 account, I have a deferred compensation. Same thing. So they have a couple of different names depending on where you work. It's your employer that decides the amount that you can contribute. It's your employer that decides what kind of plan. Sometimes they are forced into a particular plan, meaning that they are a, a, a school district or something where they their plans are considered... Uh, already laid out, it's called a 403b. But what happens if you're self-employed? A lot of listeners are self-employed. A lot of our clients self-employed. You have one called a self-employed person's IRA or a SEP IRA, SEP IRA. So it, they all work very similar in the sense that you go to work, you make fifty thousand, you put in five today, you pay taxes on forty-five. Right? It's pre-tax. Later, when you retire, where you retire. Hopefully, that money that you set aside plus interest, hopefully all of that is there. When you retire, where you retire, that's, the, uh, that's where you pay taxes. That's where you're subject to taxation. Stay in California. It's California rules. Nevada, there isn't any taxes in Nevada. There aren't any taxes in Texas. Washington, Florida, Wyoming, right? There's a few states, Tennessee, uh, the six, seven, eight states where you pay zero income tax when you retire. So a lot of people are saving money under today's tax brackets. Then when they retire, their, their residence is in a different state. And then they are taking money and withdrawing money based on whatever tax bracket they are at that time federally and state. And if there isn't any state, nice. So for a lot of people, that actually saves, oh, could be 10, 12, 15%. It could save a lot of money. Imagine if today I say, oh, you want a 10% pay raise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's why people leave California. Did you know that it used to be wherever you lived in the world, your goal was to make it to the United States first and then California? You know that? That was the thing. That's what my parents did. My dad came to this country in 1964. His goal was to get to California. He's heard so many things about it. That was it. That's where he was going. Married my mom. Within a few weeks, they drove to California. Today, people aren't coming here to find their wealth, find their riches, to have that opportun- opportunity, not guarantee, opportunity for success. Today, in order to be wealthy, successful, financially comfortable, to take that deep breath, people are retiring outside of the state of California. You come back, come back for vacation, come back to visit the children or grandchildren, friends, church, charity, work. But your life, your residency More and more people are leaving the state of California. We have momentum leaving the state. God forbid if we have a huge earthquake in San Francisco or or Los Angeles as to who will leave the state of California. Remember? I remember people in, in Porter Ranch. We had friends. We knew a lot of folks. The earthquake came. They went back in, loaded up their stuff, and drove to Arizona within a day or two, and never came back. Never. They said, we're done. It's like, wow. They dealt with everything they had to by mail or by phone, never, had to, never came back. The momentum has shifted to drive people away from California economically. Socially, we're already down there. You have a small group of people that are, are, are pushing their will on folks forcing massive amounts of dollars that should be going to fund your pension. Do you understand that? Eric Holder's dollars that, that they are paying him, the sanctuary city baloney that they're doing, all of the money that's spent there, instead of going to, to shore up your pension, CalPERS, CalSTRS, right? Public Employees, CalPARS, Public Agency Retirement System, CalPERS, Public Employee Retirement System, CalSTRS, Cal State, Teacher Retirement System, those three main pension systems should be using those dollars. The crazy boondoggle of this uh, train to nowhere, this uh, speed train, it doesn't work with the terrain of California. It just doesn't. its It's not like France where you have a city, nothing for 60 miles, a city, nothing for 60 miles, flat mostly, It doesn't work like Germany in the same idea. We are California. Unless you're going to run it up through the Central Valley, it's not going to work. So I think California is making a a change that's going to drive dollars away from funding your pension. They can do it. They can fund it. They can make it work. It's not that difficult. You're going to have to make some hard decisions, okay, but it's not difficult because it's math and logic, right? We've talked about one plus one being two, whether you feel like it's four. One plus one is three. I really want it to be nine. Uh, I'll tell you what, one plus one is two, whether you really, really believe that it's six or you're passionate, super passionate that one plus one is nine, just really believe it. Uh, I get it, but math is just math. There's not, not a lot of imagination to it. It's just math. So keep yourself out of trouble by understanding you have to manage your own financial life because you're playing that game. Here, I had a great, a great conversation this week with a client. She comes in and she says, You know, I don't understand this. I have, I have all of these different accounts, but I don't understand why I have all these accounts. In her case, her husband set them all up. And he did it. Both of them were, were teachers, and then he had a small business, but they saved. They bought their house, they never sold. They just bought another one and rented that one. And they saved every month. Didn't buy cars every other year. Didn't do fancy vacations. And today they're worth about $6 million. And she said, Arif, I have about 14 different accounts. Well, I don't know why. Because when my husband left, I knew what we had, but I didn't know why we had them. So I said, okay, well, well, let's take a look at this account. This account is, is kind of risky. you know. It can go up and down. Are you, you happy with it? Do you want to make some changes? She said, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, let's take a look. What are the fees with this account? I was told it was $65 a year. I said, what do you mean? She said, that's what the broker told me. It was $65 a year for these fees. Look, if you think you have an account and that's all the fees you pay, give me a call at 866-870-5752. 866-875-5752. Why do I say that? Because it doesn't exist. There are always hidden fees with these risky accounts. Why? Because your account can go backwards. And the brokerage financial Wall Street world wants to make sure they're always getting paid from your money, regardless of whether or not you make money. Right? Otherwise, they would say, listen, if the account goes up, we're going to split it. But if it goes down, hey, we're not charging anything. Well, okay. You might think that's a pretty good deal. You might say, I'll take that deal. But you have to consider yourself for a minute. The financial world is not meant for you to succeed. It's just meant for you to exist. Go to work. Work for 30 years. Throw some money behind you in one of these company retirement plans. And here's the biggest challenge. And after the break, we're going to get into this because here's the biggest challenge. You're going to pass these on to your children or or nieces, nephews, spouse maybe, parents. Somebody's going to probably inherit it. If you were good enough with your money in the sense that you didn't just blow it all, you probably, probably are going to die with some left. So if you don't know what the purpose of the money is, how much less does your children know what the purpose of the money is? Or your charity or your church, or anybody. Does anybody know what the purpose of that money is? If you don't, probably not. So we need to make sure that we manage that. Okay, so, uh, but before we take the break here, I want to give you a couple other, uh, well, I don't know, cautions, I guess. We are seeing caregivers, and and I love caregivers, Ninety-nine, whatever the number is, 99%, right? That's what you say. Nearly all of them, almost all of them, 99.9, like somebody did the survey, Are good people. Whatever the number is, certainly the vast majority are good people. But occasionally, scams and frauds are perpetrated on our seniors by caregivers, and I don't mean abuse, physical abuse. I'm talking about the financial scams. So I want to give you a couple of little things that that we're finding. Number one is you know the checkbook, right? Seniors are used to writing checks. You and I might be debit card, or today we go online, or you don't even go to the bank to cash a check. Right, you take a picture of it, send it in. But what we do, or what we are finding, is seniors. Some of them still write checks, and they have a checkbook or, or a box of checks inside that drawer. And when the senior is sleeping, or or maybe just that's part of the caregiver's job is to kind of tidy up. And in that process of tidying up, they find the checkbooks. So here's what we're finding. They'll go to the back of the checks. In other words, maybe the senior will write two or three or four checks a month, maybe more. But they go to the back of them and they pull one out. And they fill it out. Sometimes they can either forge the signature or they get the senior to sign because they just put it underneath four or five different other documents. Oh, just sign here. No big deal. Just sign here. And then they cash that check. And because... The senior is going through check number one, check number two, check number three. They've pulled out check number 74. That's not going to be seen for a long time, that it's out of order, but it will show up on your statement. So if you are a caregiver watching your parents, grandparents, if you are somebody who's taking care of somebody, you need to not just take care of them physically, but look at their financial statements. Look at what's happening behind the scenes. See if you see a check cash that's way out of order. Like, wait a second, this is a check, and it's never going to be $5,000. A lot of these scam artists are really good about making it $2,742.68. Oh, okay. They do that so that it looks like it's just kind of blends in with a normal thing. And it might be written to the plumber or to the air conditioning person. So when you see it, it just looks like a normal everyday expense. If that expense is part of that normal everyday routine, then I need you to pay attention because sometimes our seniors are getting taken by the caregivers. Sometimes it's the identity theft. We talked at the top of the hour how social security has thousands of people who are declared dead, who are actually still alive, but that means you do not get your social security check anymore. But there's six and a half million Over 6 million people who are still getting a check and yet who have passed away, still getting a check. Where do you think that's going? My contention is a lot of the caregivers, whether they lack professionalism, they lacked vetting, they lacked a background check, or they're just plain son of a guns, I don't know. My contention is a lot of them have taken over through the identity theft scam and have have acted like or become like or just said, keep sending the check and we'll take it. And then they deposit it. And then they do a transfer on the computer because you don't have to be there in person. Right? We've seen it. Regular account, joint account. The Social Security is transferred and deposited into the regular account. Then they go online and do a transfer to a joint account. And then now... What's as much as theirs is as much as mine. So I want you to watch out for that. If you are watching for caregiver, if you are watching a senior, look at their financial life, ask them, hey, can I just double check things? Can I get a duplicate statement sent to me? It's a way for you to watch and take care of them. When we come back, a lot of people are passing away with an inheritance. What happens to that inherited IRA? Right? To keep you from getting into trouble because there are rules and penalties. We'll be right back. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm Arif Hallaby, your host for the Total Financial Hour on AM 870 the Answer. Talking about your family's financial life, how do you plan for retirement, make sure you don't end up in a big old mess? Look, today, uh, the financial world is not that complicated compared to how uh, it it could be. Here's what I mean. Um, Way back when, it was even less complicated, meaning you went to work, paid off your home, retired, took care of the grandkids, they took care of you, passed away. They buried you and went on. Today, everybody is about financial responsibility and investing. And did you know what, what uh, Apple and Facebook stock and, and uh, hey, uh, bought some real estate in swampland in Florida or in Louisiana or after the hurricane, you can get a discount and buy an entire island that used to not be there and now it is. And you say, so, well, but I, I'm an engineer or I'm a doctor. All of a sudden, people go through this. I can be a financial expert without the training. You can be trained. I'm not saying you can't. What I'm saying is, today there it's it's, it can be extremely complicated unless you understand some basics. Here are some of them. Number one, you're all playing the game, like it, don't like it. Live on the mountains, uh, you know, in the mountains on the side of a hill. Everybody touches money or currency every single day whether it is uh beads right in the old days the 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 native americans I don't know what the politically correct thing is today indians native americans back then they would trade beads or beaver pelts or whatever their currency of the of the tribe was right no different than today today in the united states you use dollars in japan you use yen yuan in china so it's not difficult to to compare where the complication comes in where You now have a second set of rules that are put on us by the government, meaning you don't have to necessarily say, well, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to just save in my retirement account. I'm going to get to the place where I can retire and not have to work anymore, and I'm just going to take money out as I see fit. That's not how it works. There are layers of rules that the federal and even the state government has put on you. So here's what some of them are, and you need to know what they are. It's called an inherited IRA, meaning you're going to pass away or you're going to be the recipient of somebody's money that isn't yours. You didn't work for it. You didn't go to work. Now, there's a psychological thing that actually happens when you have money that was given to you. I have seen it with a million dollars, two million. It doesn't matter. People suddenly think that it just came from the sky. But what happens with an IRA or an inherited IRA? If you are receiving that as a beneficiary of a million dollars in an inherited IRA, do you understand that that is pre-tax money? That means if you say, I'm going to go buy a truck, like somebody recently did, I'm going to go buy this. I'm going to take a trip. You know how much I deserve a trip? I deserve. And they go down this whole road, and they might pull out $100,000. Great. Surprise! Next to April, when you have a, to write another check to the IRS for thirty thousand dollars and the state government, so when you do that, if you don't have an extra, let's say thirty thousand sitting around, guess where you got to pull it from? Another retirement account. And if that retirement account, you're pulling out thirty, that thirty is taxed. So now you're going to have to pull out fifty. So in uh, in order to live. To, to buy something for $100,000, for example, to pay the taxes and then the taxes on the taxes, you may have to pull out one and a half times or two times the amount of money. Now, eventually it runs out. So now you've taken out the last bit of money. The Franchise Tax Board's IRS says, oh, by the way, you owe us $30,000. So I don't have $30,000. No problem, make payments. Or, You can't make payments, we'll take your car, your house, we'll we'll garnish your wages, we'll take the money you have set aside for that new roof or your child's college, we're going to take that. I always encourage you, check with the CPA, check with the tax, at least a tax, you know, enrolled agent, somebody who can sit down and say, hey, listen, you're going to need to go through this process methodically. Careful. You didn't just find this in the backyard. This is an inherited IRA, and there are rules. An inherited IRA must be taken out. You don't have a choice. And there are two ways to take it out. One is called the five-year rule, and it's also the default, meaning if you mess up on this next one, and on the second one I'm going to tell you about, then it defaults back to the first one. So here's what it means. An inherited IRA, when the beneficiary receives the funds, whether it's a widow or widower of the deceased, uh, whether it is um, the kids, right? There are rules that are attached. If the children inherit the IRA of their parents, they can choose to take distributions over their lifetime or the five-year rule. Let's talk about the five-year rule. 5 years says this, you have to have everything out in five years. Now, you can do nothing this year, a little bit next year, a little bit the next year, nothing nothing, but 5 years and 5 minutes all of those dollars have to be out of the account, done in your pocketbook. Which means it's a taxable event. That might be fine, especially if it's a smaller account. If if you're talking about a smaller account that you can absorb into your tax world, maybe you're self-employed so you can adjust your withholdings, you can right, you can do a lot of things. Then fine, take the take the 5 year rule. If you need to pay off some bills, you you weigh the difference. Taking the money now, yes, you pay more in taxes. Check with your CPA. Say, oh, we can mitigate it. It can be a little less, but I want you to pay off this credit card or I want you to pay off the car. Okay, there's some, there's some financial planning that can be done and, and that could be good. But if it is an enormous amount of money when it hits your taxes that it will impact your life a lot, then the stretch IRA rule is usually better. So what is the stretch IRA rule? It says you're going to inherit money and by December of the year after they pass away. So they pass away January 3rd. You have all of that year and all of the next year before you have to take out the, be, the, to the beginning of the stretch IRA rules. But if, it's a, if it has a required minimum distribution, in other words, if they are already past age 70 and a half, when they pass away and you inherit the money, then the deceased is supposed to take out every year a certain amount. And if they didn't, then you have to. And then when you take it out, that doesn't count as your first distribution. You still have to do another one the year following the year they pass away, by December 31st. (laughs) Didn't I tell you it was going to be complicated? It's like it doesn't have to be, right? Do you want to just say, hey, just do this? Very simple. But they don't. The Stretch IRA is the tax equivalent of basically, I don't know, a treasure chest, golden, the, the goose that lays the golden egg. Because in a stretch, the amount you have to withdraw is a percentage. It's very small, three, four, five, six percent, but a small number. So you can make that money last, stretch it out, supplement your income every year. Now, the stretch IRA is the minimum that you have to take out. You can take out more, but it's the minimum. So in other words if it says this year you have to pull out $2700 you want to pull out 5 pull out 5 but you can't take out less than 2700 or you will pay a penalty guess what that is I'll let you think need some of that jeopardy music and 50% 50% if you don't take out the proper amount there's a 550% penalty so, in other words, if you were supposed to pull out ten thousand dollars and you didn't, guess what? Five thousand dollar penalty to the IRS. Plus, remember, those dollars are taxed. So, if you're paying, if you're pulling money from the account, you also have to pay tax on that account. It's not just a one way street. So, you have to manage this properly. That's why a financial advisor, or financial team, uh, if you're using annuities, a good insurance professional that, that is licensed, a financial professional, certainly a CPA whether it's on a three-way call. And we do that often. We will talk on a three-way call with your CPA. In fact, I've even gone there many times. And we'll sit down and we'll say, here's what the client's trying to do. Give us some direction. What is, what is the tax guy or the tax gal's point of view on these dollars so we don't mess up because the penalties are so severe. And when they do, when they give us those answers, we go through and we say, okay, well, now that's the framework. Now let's build around it. And we say, here's what's possible from our point of view. The last thing you want is one person thinking they're the expert in every in everything. You might have a financial expert in your life. I'm a stockbroker, I'm a I'm a financial advisor. It's fee only. Great. You realize every financial product has fees and commissions built into it. it. May not go to this guy or it might, but you're paying for the same advice twice. And if you think the only reason you're going to have any integrity with the financial professional in your life is because they're only charging you a fee and not making a commission, folks, then you're probably dealing with the wrong person. Why? Because if that's the only thing keeping them from from violating the the, the ethical (laughs) rules, maybe, just maybe, mm, you probably need a different person. Because I think part of your financial life should be built on, I trust this person, No different than when I go to get my car worked on, right? I don't say – I don't go to one mechanic and say, all right, tell me everything that needs to be done. I'm going to pay you $500 for your opinion. Great. Then I go to the next guy and I say, mechanic X, do this, do that, do this. You might say, well, that would be a better way to go. Well, but I still have to trust the second mechanic to do the right thing. If not, then you're dealing with the wrong people, Look, you've heard me talk about checking out your financial team. Department of Insurance is a great website. If you're looking at fixed, fixed indexed annuities, life insurance solutions, anything with the insurance world, right? Remember, there's two ways to put money into the U.S. economy and take money out. About 100 years ago, when when the U.S. uh, financial system collapsed, and I'm talking collapsed, the problem, uh, the benefit was back then, there were very few people that were dependent on it because all of them were... uh, People that worked in factories, farmers, nobody really cared. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, the financial world collapsed. Oh, really? We still have to milk the cows. Today, everybody's putting money in the market in one form or fashion. Whether your paycheck comes in and you put some in the market, whether you put some in the U.S. economy, whether you are buying products that are, that are publicly traded, companies are building or making, you are always involved in some form or fashion. So today, when the market collapses or goes up and down, you can feel it in a variety of places. Here's what happened. They said, we're going to allow banks and insurance companies to put money in the U.S. economy, take money out. If you're dealing with a bank, those, th- those products are called savings accounts, checking accounts, CDs. That's how, you, that's how they take money out of the economy, which means you're depositing into those vehicles. How do they put money into the economy? Through loans, car loans, boats, planes, uh, houses, right? That's the traditional way that it was done. Insurance companies, the opposite. Insurance companies says, uh, people, you give us money through premiums. You deposit money with an insurance company. It's called a premium, whether it goes to auto, home, life insurance, whether it goes to fixed, fixed indexed, variable annuities. They all go through an insurance company scenario. And when they do, they're pulling money out of the U.S. economy. How do they put money back into the economy? I'll just say two words, hurricane and earthquake. That's it. That's how they do it. When those big catastrophes hit, big dollars go in. But you and I may not be impacted by that regularly, but we are impacted by car accidents more often Scratches on our cars, uh, break-ins in our home, our business. That is often life insurance, how insurance companies will put money back into the economy. Take little out, back in, big dollars. Banks will take in big dollars. You can walk into a bank and say, here's $100,000 for a CD. So when that transition happened, the rules shifted. And suddenly, today, when you are working in that world, when we, I, you want to go to the Department of Insurance website for California, wherever you live, and you check. Is the person licensed? How long have they been licensed? Are they allowed to offer products or services in this, for this company? Do they have any complaints against them? We talked before about having the fox in the hen house. We talked before about having you babysit and watch your money, your money. You don't want the same people that were that were phoning up, and and um, I don't know what the right word—fraud, maybe, forgery, maybe. That's what I would have said as a when I was a Los Angeles police officer. Ten years, seven months, and three days. It wasn't that long. (laughs) Wasn't counting. Ten, months, seven months, uh, ten years, seven months, and three days. During that period of time, we did a lot of fraud investigations, a lot of uh, credit card fraud, checking fraud, identity theft. It was part of what we did. But in that process, when somebody forged or phonied up documents, they went to jail. They lost their license. Today, a lot of these guys are suspended for four or five years or restricted for five years. Now they can go back to offer seniors. So be careful. Watch, watch those folks double check, okay? This is your money, nobody else's. They're never going to look at it or take care of it the way you do. So you are the you are the top, you're as good as it's going to get. If you don't watch it, they can maybe do as much, but if you don't watch it, nobody else will. So be very careful. All right, I'm going to finish up this hour of the program. Feel free to give us a call. You have a question on inherited IRAs, 866-870-5752. That's 866-870-5752. 5752. All right. We've been talking about an inherited IRA. How does the stretch portion – and that's really the better one in my opinion to take for most people. The stretch IRA is an option that says, I'm going to drip this money into my account. I'm going to drip these dollars into my uh, financial life. It could supplement maybe a stay-at-home spouse. You might have said we couldn't financially afford to have both of us stay at home. But now that grandmother or parent or mom or dad passed away and they left us all of this money, we're going to take out for the next six or seven or eight years until the kids are done with school or until they get settled. And we're going to take out money on a monthly basis that drops into our account and allows my wife to work part-time, my husband to work part-time or stay at home completely or work from home, take a different job. So the stretch IRA could be used to supplement or substitute the income that you have at home. Secondary is it could be used to actually supplement your retirement in the future. A lot of folks, you know, when our parents pass away, we're 50, 60, 70 years old. That means our parents lived a long, hopefully beautiful and and fruitful life. And by the time you receive the funds, you're getting close to retirement yourself. So we have used inherited IRA distributions and we said, okay, what is the number CPA? And they'll say, this is the amount they have to take. We turn to the client. Is that, is that good for you? Is that enough for you? They said, oh, that's pretty good. I'd like a little bit more. No problem. You can take more. You can't take less, but you can take more. It will be a taxable event. No problem. It'll allow me to wait until my pension starts. It'll allow me to wait until my social security is at the full retirement age or even age 70. It'll allow me to wait so I can enjoy life today. One of the biggest pitfalls that we see when it comes to taking money out of inherited IRAs is people think it's just a, like a regular checking account, savings. Hi, send me $500,000. No problem. You're going to pay tax on half of it. Gone. Half of it is taxed. Gone. But because there is no emotional connection to the money, right? I, if I came to you and say, hey, hey, um, give me half of your paycheck. You're like, you're crazy. I don't no, no, no! I'm the IRS. Give me half of your money. I'm the State of California Franchise Tax Board. Give me half of your money. You would say, "There's no way I would do that. I've worked so hard for this money." But if it's somebody else's money and it doesn't come with any restrictions or rules, yeah, yeah, no problem. You can. It says, and here's what they say. This drives me crazy. It's not as if I worked for this money, or it's not as if I had it anyway. It's not as if, and I'm thinking, somebody worked for this. They didn't work for it so the state of California could could have all of their executives take a vacation down in San Diego for their, quote, conference, or in Palm Springs, or in Lake Tahoe for their conference. You know, that's what they do. Be careful. This is your money. You want to give it to a charity? Just give it to a charity. No problem. But giving it to the state when they have severely, not a little, severely mismanaged the dollars. I told you last week about the budget director and I, in a group, I was in a room, I don't know, maybe 50 people, 40 people, but asked him a simple question. Literally, you guys, he had no clue. Okay, so for some of, those, uh, some of you just joining in, I'll tell you what it was. And if not, hearing it the second time, I think you still aren't going to believe it. I said – he said, well, I'm proud to announce that the governor has uh, fulfilled a promise and it was we had said that we would bring in multi, you know, jobs and rebuild after the Great Recession. There was 1.8 million jobs lost in the Great Recession and now we are 1.9 recreated jobs, says the governor, and we are very happy and that's the, that's the budget director telling us. Everybody claps. Wow, how great. Wow, it's so nice. I'm like, there's, there's a great website. It's called HowMoneyWalks.com. You've heard me talk about it before, but HowMoneyWalks.com. I don't know who says it. They should send us a, some sort of an advertising fee because we talk about it all the time on all of our shows. We do other shows, other places. And our radio shows, when we talk about HowMoneyWalks.com, you go down, you click on the state. It's a little map. You click on the maps and then you click on the state of California. Bright red. Why? Because it will show you how many dollars have left the state of California. You ready? Let's think about this. The amount of dollars that have left the state of California is not a small amount. And in the last, let's see if I can pull it up. I want to say in the last, oh, I don't know. Let's do 10 years. The last 10 years, we are somewhere in the neighborhood well, let's go back to 1992, we're at $56 billion upside down, but when did it really accelerate? What do you think? 2005, 2006, when this wave of socialism hit California and all of a sudden Democrats were being elected, progressives were coming in to, to be, and very few people were staying in the state of California. People started moving. So if you have an inherited IRA and you're going to a place where they don't even understand basic math, and here's what the governor said, I said, I'm sorry, the budget director, here's what I said, sir, it's nice that you said that 1.9 million jobs were created, but a job that is $12 an hour at a fast food restaurant is not the same as a $53 an hour manufacturing job that we lost when Toyota left or when Nestle's leaving. Those are different jobs. It's nice when you have a manufacturing job that's $53 because that person pays more taxes. Nice. Buys more things. Spends more money. Goes out and does more in the community. Maybe even donates because they, that person has extra dollars. But it's much different when you pay somebody in a fast food restaurant $10 or $12 an hour. And that's, their, that's subsistence living. Because do you understand? That's not a real job in the sense that it's part-time. And it should be held by college students, single kids, kids living with six other people in a dorm or in or, you know, a you know, two-bedroom apartment. That's the norm of those jobs. That's what they're supposed to be. And he says, well, I don't really know that data. I said, go to howmoneywalks.com. It will tell you how much in revenue was lost. $56 billion is not taxed anymore in the state of California. And it will only get worse. So you have to prepare. Keep yourself from losing your money in the market. I'm going to finish up and give you this week's fee. What do we call it? Our fee of the week, our client uh, feed account of the week. Ready? Okay. Walks into the office, says, I had 100,000. It was a little more than 100, like 101 or something. About $100,000 I put into this account. Today, the Fed account have eaten up over the last eight years. The fees in that account are around $17,000. And how much is in his account? You put in $100,000, $122,000. dollars dollars $18,000 in fees, $22,000 in his pocket. We looked up the broker. The broker had only been in the business about eight years. That means when this person earned the money, the broker was still in high school. And yet, broker's making just as much money on his hard earned money than he was. You don't like paying fees? I don't like paying fees. Give us a call. Okay, here's our phone number to the office, 800-990-7344, 800-990-7344. Thanks for joining us. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour featuring Arif Halaby, president of Total Financial Solutions, designing higher income strategies with a conservative approach. Protecting your principal and your earnings while getting you reasonable gains and reliable income, making you confident of your retirement income planning. Arif Halaby has your answer.